Hi everyone, Simon here. The team and I are taking a little break, and I hope you are too. But you know, it's always nice to have a little bit of inspiration as we head into the new year. And so to that end, I wanted to share with you one of my favorite episodes from 2020. It's with Doug Palladini, global brand president of Vans, the iconic streetwear brand that is an absolute master at building long-term customer communities. Welcome to this week's episode of Lead With We, where I'm talking with Doug Palladini, the global brand president of Vans. Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks, Simon. It's good to hear from you again. Doug, everybody knows who Vans is, but what they might not know is where the company began. It was a rubber company, right? Yeah, Paul Van Doren, the founder of the company, was an old uh, shoe dog from Randolph, Massachusetts. Back then, that was the U.S. manufacturing base for all things uh, footwear and uh, got moved out west with that company, decided to go off on his own. And that's where the van names come, uh, comes from, from Van Doren. And uh, he made shoes that were made with vulcanized rubber bottoms um, and tied some canvas uppers to them, sewed them together. And that's how Van started. So since those sort of modest beginnings, Doug, the company has grown to become a global youth icon. Help us understand that journey. Give us a few steps on the way. Yeah, I think uh, Paul Van Dorn, who just turned 90, by the way, would tell you as the founder, he had no idea it would ever turn into this. He started out wanting to make uh, basically family shoes at an affordable price. And it really wasn't until the early 70s in Santa Monica, California, in a little neighborhood down by the beach called Dogtown, where Vans found its first cultural connection. These were kids who surfed every day, and when the waves were flat, they wanted something else to do. And so they went onto the concrete with what then were really honestly, Simon, not much more than toys and skateboards and tried to mimic what they were doing in the water on their skateboards on land. And, uh, and, and they all skated for a shop called the Zephyr Surf Shop. It became famously known as the Z-Boys. Their shoe of choice was that same authentic deck shoe. And the reason why they chose it was because of the vulcanized rubber bottom. They found that it gripped the board really, really well, but they could still feel the board underneath their feet, which is important from a skateboarding perspective. And so they adopted Vans as the shoe of their choice. Uh, we had no idea this was going on, but our history has been one sort of organic cultural connection after another ever since. And let's talk about that because in a sense, there's these different chapters of counterculture where different sort of groups and organizations have adopted the brand and taken it to the next stage of its growth. But at the same time, you're a very purposeful brand. So how do you balance, you know, the constancy of your purpose as a company with the different kind of expressions of it through these different groups? Yeah, what we have found over time is that what the unifying force among all of those cultural cohorts is, is creative and individual expression. And if you think about what ties surfing to making music, to skateboarding, to painting, to photography, to drama, it's that individual creative expression that's inside of all of us. And so that has become the very center of our brand and our purpose is to enable that for people all over the world. And 
you know, how do you avoid the problem that a lot of brands have, which is, you know, they're top of mind for a while. They're the sort of product or brand that everyone wants to own, but then they quickly turn their attention to something else, the next shiny squirrel. How have you kept, you know, that credibility, that authenticity over decades? I believe that discipline has been essential and a critical part of Van's growth. And what I mean by that is that we have been very consistently focused around what we call cultural pillars. We have four of them, art, music, action sports, which for us are surf, skate, snow and BMX and street culture. So we look at creative self-expression through the lens of those four filters. And that has enabled us to stay very focused uh, and very sort of true to ourselves as we've grown over time. But how do you make sure you don't make the same mistake that a lot of companies or brands do, which they kind of hijack popular culture, they kind of appropriate it for their products in the hope that that will make them desirable or popular or cool. You seem to have done something very different, which is you're kind of like you're investing in those localized communities and sports and cohorts, as you say. How do you go about it? Yeah, we basically inverted what you just said is how we've gone about it quite differently, where we said, here is who we are and here's what we believe in and here's what we stand for. And if that resonates with you, come join us. And we're open to, again, those organic cohorts coming to us, okay? So the way I like to express it, Simon, is that we are open to anyone, but not for everyone. And I think that's a very important thing for us that we have really locked onto. What I mean by that is when you meet Vans for the first time, we welcome you in. We're a very inclusive brand by nature. It doesn't matter where you come from, what language you speak, what color you are, who you love, it's all good to us. But we also understand because we're very clear about who we are and who we're not, that there may come a time where you decide that Vans isn't the right brand for you. And we're okay with that because ubiquity is not our objective. And we're competing in a space with a lot of very large brands that do have ubiquity as their objective. So for us, it's a very meaningful point of differentiation. It's a super important point because I think a lot of brands kind of reverse engineer out of what they hope consumers want. And it's kind of like the tail wagging the dog. I think you know consumers respond most strongly to brands who are very self-assured and know who they are because that creates that attraction for them. Let me ask you, how do you build a relationship with that next generation of Vans wearers? Do you sort of show up in a certain way and invite them in, or do you wait to be invited into their group? Because consumers, especially younger demographics, are so self-possessed these days, and they're so cynical or distrustful of marketing. How do you navigate forging that relationship? Yeah, you, as you can imagine, 54 years in business, we're truly a multi-generational brand. We have infants, newborns wearing our shoes. We literally make crib shoes and we have senior citizens wearing our product and we're, we're as proud to have either of them, to be honest. So a typical demographic psychographic profile is not what this brand is about. You mentioned off the wall earlier. For us, it's more than a tagline. We believe that off the wall is a state of mind. It's a way that you look at the world. It's a way you approach what you wanna do with yourself during, during these 700,000 hours of life that we have, right? And so that off the wall point of view, that off the wall state of mind is what ties our group together, not an age, not where you're from. Like I said, that's a, that allows us to be highly inclusive. So that's why the next generation of youth culture can accept us, even though their parents may be fans of bands already. 
And I guess that's where the power of all the collaborations you do come in because it allows you to kind of reframe your products specific to all of these different interest areas. Is that right? That's a very good point. We, we want to honor our legacy, okay? We want, to, we want to be true to our roots and keep them well watered, right? And so we do Led Zeppelin collaborations and Metallica collaborations and things that are a bit more retrospective. Um, and then we do very modern collaborations with small streetwear brands that, that, that people, average Joes like me, don't even know what they are. I have to ask what's who some of these people are. What else do you do or what wouldn't you do that you see so many other brands doing? Because it sounds like you're going about it differently and you're achieving different results, which is this authenticity and so on. What else is it that you would never do that you see other brands doing? I would tell you that we act through a lot of empirical evidence, which means we see it firsthand. We see it ourselves. Vans has, all, it's funny to talk about in COVID now, but Vans runs a lot of events. We do a lot of grassroots marketing, which is like, which we call hand-to-hand -hand combat. So we, everyone from the executives in the company to the associates and coordinators are out in the world representing our brand. We're going to music shows, we're going to art galleries, we're going to skate parks, we're, we're paddling out into the lineups, and we're trying to be a part of the world that we want to represent. I don't think that you, the mistakes, so to, to call out the mistakes or the things I would shy away from for us, you can't hire a third party agency to tell you what's cool with X group while you sit at your desk and answer emails. You need to go see it yourself. And I think that that sort of very much, I wanna see things through my own eyes to understand the connectivity is where that sincerity, where that authenticity, where that genuine tone can come through. If you're, if you're solely reliant on other people to tell you what, what's interesting and where the connections are coming from, I think you're too separated from your fan base, from your consumers. And, and you, you mentioned COVID and every business out there has taken a huge hit, especially if you're a global brand like Vans. Firstly, how did it affect the business and what did you do to sort of, you know, triage through those first couple of months where everyone was just in shock? We woke up one morning and our offices, all of our stores and all of our partners' stores were closed. Um, and we sort of looked into the abyss. And when we looked back up, the first thing that we realized is we had to go back to our focus as being a people first company. Um, I know that's a very popular thing to say, but Paul Van Doren has this famous quote that we use. He said that Vans isn't a footwear and apparel company. Vans is a people company that makes footwear and apparel. And that may seem like a nuance to some or semantic, but it's not. It's very much at the heart of who we are. And so what we did was we tried to approach people first. We had to make sure our employees were okay. That was the first cohort. Are, is our family okay? Um, are they gonna be able to work from home? How are they gonna deal with a significant other who may also work, kids running around, poor connectivity, there's myriad issues as I'm sure you've explored ad nauseum at this point. Um, we had to make sure they were okay, that they know they were taken care of. The second thing we had to do was take care of our fans. Uh, we had to let them know that even in a world in which they were not the least bit interested in transacting with us, that we still cared about them. We had to say, we see that it's not business as usual. 
We care about you, even if you're not buying from us right now. And let's work together to get through this thing. And I, I can share some specifics there. But then the third group was our customers. Those are the people who carry vans in their stores. And they were also really hurting. Um, we come from a world of board sports shops that where we came from the Zephyr surf shop. These guys built their businesses from their passion and love for, for the culture they were representing. Um, you know a great record store when you see one, when you're looking for vinyl. You know a great surf shop. They're cultural epicenters and they run on passion, not on cash flow. <laughs> so they were operating on some very thin margins. So we had to support them as well. So it's our, it's our internal team, our family, it's our fans, the people who buy our, our products, and then it's our customers who carry our products in their stores. And that's how we really went about it. And I'd love to know more about those specifics because I saw that you did something really different to other brands. A lot of other brands with the best of intentions, you know, necessarily shifted away from their products and services and really spun up a lot of really meaningful responses to COVID-19, whether it's PPE equipment or ventilators or meals for medical practitioners and so on. But you, to your point, you know, you did some really interesting things to support the grassroots or, you know, um, partners that make your business possible. And that in turn allowed you to still keep a focus on your product so that you could keep your business alive. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically around the foot the bill response that you, um, you, you did. But share some of those specifics and maybe talk a, bit, a little about foot the bill. Yeah, foot the bill was the uh, customer cohort that we talked about. Again, these these cultural epicenters that are the best board sports shops in the world, the best music venues in the world, um, the best art galleries in the world. These are our extended family at Vans. And we heard loud and clear for them that they were scared for their, their business lives. So in thinking about what we could do, we have a very robust customization platform. So we said, hey, why don't you take a Vans shoe as XYZ Skate Shop and make it your own, customize it, um, bring in one of your favorite artists, put your logo on it, and we will help you sell those shoes with your art on them, and you get the proceeds from them to help support your store. So we can help, working together, both the shop and our brand can help drive interest for this product and remind people how important your shop is. And the best part about it was the local communities that came alive to support the stores. You heard people in the neighborhood of XYZ Skate Shop reach out and say, everyone should be doing this. This is a really good thing for us to do. And sort of build that base, them, rebuild that base themselves and remind the people in that neighborhood, that sort of community to, to sort of close ranks around that shop and to take care of it. And that was just such a beautiful outcome. I, I just can't say enough about how much that inspired us at Vans. I have to say that that point in and of itself is transformative to any brand or business out there. If you go in there with integrity of your intent, which is to genuinely support those that make your business possible, you connect at a heart level to that community that then, as you say, all rally around it, and that then drives the result that you want and doubles down on their connection to you. Yet so many of us rush past that or don't trust that enough to know that that can, be what, that can be enough to really keep your business alive. How did they respond? How did these mom and pop stores respond to that sort of approach from Vans? Uh, with gratitude. You know, it's just, um, again, because I believe it was a very sincere approach. It was truly genuine, our care for them. 
that that will that was a reminder of what differentiates Vans from other brands in our competitive set. And so that will pay dividends um, that will go well beyond the dollars that we reap for the next decades to come. Um, a lot of these shops have already been partners of ours for decades. So it was a it was a good reminder of who we are and what we stand for, both internally and to those people who have supported us so for so long. It's it's so powerful what you're talking about, just in terms of when you have a genuine relationship in times of crisis, it can be put to work in really surprising ways and get really interesting results, as you say. But what do you say to a brand that is just breathlessly trying to survive right now? They're literally on the edge of going out of business. What are we now months into the, you know, COVID and, and the economic consequences and so on? You know, if they're shying away from being purposeful, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Uh, I would say that purpose isn't a short-term, a short-term proposition. It's not a poster that you put on your wall in the lunchroom. It's not a saying purpose is the way that you show up and the way that your business operates every single day. And it requires that daily care and feeding for it to truly be resonant internally and externally. So when the chips are down, when the rubber meets the road, that's when purpose matters the most. Um, when times are good, you can gloss over a lot of things, but when the, when the, when the pile of poo hits the fan, um, you're, and, and you're going to walk away from your purpose, you, you probably don't have the right purpose or you don't have the right commitment from your leaders and the people that you work with that purpose is what you want to drive your brand. And just when we thought that we were all reeling from COVID, you know, the critical, the very important issue around Black Lives Matter came to the fore with protests around the country complicated by unhelpful riots and so on. You know, on your website, you've got a message, you know, top of the masthead about BLM and the movement and so on. How did you respond to Black Lives Matter in the first place? Because obviously people are taken to the streets. It's very relevant to youth culture. So how does a brand like yours show, show up when it's so in your wheelhouse? By, by being present, I would say, and by, by listening and by acting and by answering the call from our fans to march alongside them. Um, it used to be, there used to be this thing in branding, Simon, you'll remember this, where, hey, you, you can't own your brand top down anymore. You have to give up a piece of your brand to the consumer. I think we've gone all the way over to the other side now, where if you want your brand to continue to be meaningful, and to us, we certainly do, especially among young people in this world, we wanna be that a voice for youth culture. We have to be with those people alongside them in these challenging times. So saying, oh, that's too controversial. We can't talk about that. Back to the, back to the thing about open to anyone, not for everyone, Simon. We can't say, oh, what if we get, we're gonna say Black Lives Matter. There's gonna be people who are alienated by that. That's okay. That's okay with us. We believe it's more important to stand up for what we believe in, okay? And what Vance has said very clearly is we believe that Black Lives Matter, and by the way, matter is the lowest bar possible. And if you don't agree with that, cool. We respect you have your own point of view. We don't agree with it, but we, this might not be the best brand for you. If COVID wasn't enough, and then there's you know the challenge of really systemic change around Black Lives Matter, in the background, we've got, 
you know, climate crisis, which is a constant, which is top of mind to everyone who buys your product or, you know, buys any brands. Tell us a little bit about your sustainability efforts to that end and, you know, how important that is to your audiences and how you communicate that to them. At Vans, we've decided that social responsibility should be at the forefront of our brand. So when it comes to sustainability and when it comes to environmental issues, what we've said internally is these are all things that we want to do, but we're going to do them just because they're the right thing to do. We're not going to make them the consumer-facing, marketing-driven part of who we are as a brand. So we continue to get better every day. We continue to provide more transparency into our supply chain every day. We continue to push ourselves to develop new materials that will have less of an impact on Earth every day. We still have a long way to go. And for us, it's, I think it's more important to just do those things than to talk about them and market them all the time. And as you're looking forward to building the business through these difficult times, I mean, it's very hard to keep up with what young people are into today. I say that as a father of a 21-year-old and an 18-year-old. I don't know what they're saying half the time. I don't know what they're doing on their phones all the time. It's a mystery to me. And I know you do these collaborations, these partnerships. You're doing things with The Simpsons. There's Checkerboard Day coming up. I mean, how do you keep in touch? And give us a couple of examples of what, you know, really genuinely connecting with youth culture, culture today looks like. When we're in an executive meeting, sometimes I remind the team, every day we move farther away from youth, youth culture, right? Age-wise, right? Like we age at, we a lot of us have aged out of youth culture a long time ago, by the way. Um, so we have to be honest about that. And the way you get around that is you listen to the younger people in your organization. Like I said, you give voice, you give voice to the up and coming people in your organization, not just the executive team. And then you give voice to your audience and you listen to them. You go out into the world and see it for yourself. That's more important than ever. Now, you know, since, since uh, let's see, March 12th was our last day in the office. I've been doing that virtually, but, but we still do it. We still do it every day. And so is something like the Simpsons partnership or collaboration, a kind of nostalgia play, why something like Checkerboard Day is more progressive because it's sort of, you know, the latest expression of how young people are kind of gaming with each other. Like, give us an idea of the spread. Sure, Simpsons, the Simpsons is, um, is part of our, our big commercial summer push we do every year. And those are very licensing driven things. We look for that same through line of creative expression and Matt Groening represents that as the creator of the Simpsons better than anybody. Uh, he's drawn, you know, what does Bart ride around town? He rides a skateboard. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so, and, and Matt's done some great stuff for us uh, because he loves skateboarding himself quite a bit. Um, so there's those through lines, but that's a commercial endeavor. Checkerboard day is about bringing our purpose to life around the world. And so our theory there is what if we all took one day a year everywhere on the planet to gather everyone who's inspired by creative self-expression together, what could we do? We did it last year for the first time. We were able to donate $1 million to a group called imagination.org, which works with young people to help foster their creativity. You know, Simon, one really unfortunate outcome of uh, the public education system in the United States, please excuse the Americentric point here for a second, has been to completely eviscerate creative endeavors from curricula. Um, they've become after-school activities you have to pay extra for, 
photography, drama, music. Um, it's a shame. It's a miss. Creativity is a part of humanity. It's a part of who we are. And so we have to stop and remind people, you don't have to be um, a, a piano impresario. You don't have to be a, a fine artist uh, like Van Gogh. Um, you, you can just enjoy the creativity that you have in yourself because we all have it. You know, in your own right, Vans as a brand is a movement. And for those, you know, young companies or high growth companies that also want to be purposeful and build a movement, give us a sense of the architecture in your mind because you've got the supply chain component, you've got your culture and your team, you've got all of these issues like Black Lives Matter and, and COVID to deal with, you've got all these collaborations and partnerships. How do you go about scaling your business and scaling your impact as a result? What's, what's the process? I guess what I would tell you is back to that back to that people first orientation. It's about discipline around that orientation and holding one another accountable to that orientation that's most important. We have 700 people at our headquarters um, in Costa Mesa, California, but we have thousands of more in distribution centers and tens of thousands more in factories. And what we need to do is we need to treat them all like we're a people first company. It can't just be something we do with our American employees um, who are directors or above, you know, because they're the ones who have the power. Well, Doug, thank you so much. You know, your insights around the power of being genuine and really listening to your audiences and who ultimately become your, your customers could not be more timely or more important. Thanks for the time today. Thanks for the insights. And, uh, Good luck with navigating the rest of COVID. It's a very difficult time, but it sounds like, you know, Vans is showing up in a really authentic way and that could not be more meaningful. So thanks, Doug. Thanks. Well, like I said, imperfect for sure, right? So we, we, we don't have it figured out by any means, but, uh, but I am proud of the steps that, that we're taking and eternally proud of the family of Vans people all over the world who represent our brand. So thanks very much, Simon. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Lead With We, where I chatted to Doug Palladini, the global brand president of Vans, who shared with us how to build a sustainable brand movement by being genuine and really listening to your customers, and how to respond to crises like COVID-19 in ways that are authentic to your brand, and how to drive growth at scale while still staying true to your purpose. You can subscribe to Lead With We on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And please recommend it to your friends and colleagues so they too can become a purposeful and profitable business. If you'd like to learn more about how you can build a purposeful brand, check out wefirstbranding.com and also visit leadwithwe.com to find out about my new book, which will be out in early 2021. See you next week on Lead With We.